0: The Perfect Ten, with Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time radio award winner. Yeah, welcome to the first edition of The Perfect Ten in 2019. We've had an extended break at The Perfect Ten, but due to overwhelming demand, we're back. I think you'll really enjoy the next podcast as part of our business series. I'm always inspired by entrepreneurs who basically have a dream and can see that come to fruition, sometimes putting absolutely everything on the line in pursuit of that goal. I really think you'll love the following story. Paul Polly, founder and managing director of Wicked Sister Desserts. It's an incredible success story, but it all started as a one-man operation in Bankstown, New South Wales. By the way, you know you've made it when you jump on a Qantas plane one of the first things I was served en route to Los Angeles was a Wicked Sister Dessert. Right now, let's welcome the man who's built a dessert empire, Paul Poli. Great to have you on The Perfect Ten. Thanks, Steve. Let's start where you're at a crossroads, working with your dad and that old school versus new school mentality.
1: So you you basically the the, the crossroad of that moment where um, I left that epiphany that it wasn't, you know, I needed to move on. and and do something on my own. The the, the father-son relationship was uh, was an ongoing struggle. Uh, there was a lot of that old school versus new school um, in the sense that he was set in his own ways and, and wasn't willing to change and then le- never looking at me as uh, someone that could take it, the, the business and run with it. Uh, I would always be his little boy and he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd let, let me know of that every day. But um, it did come to the point where um, uh, the relationship had turned toxic I didn't like going to work anymore uh, and it wasn't fun. So I took basically left and took a year off trying to work out what I was going to do. What was the family business? Um, any pasta, So um, filled olives, marinated olives, char-grilled eggplants, semi-dried tomatoes, all the good stuff.
0: You mentioned the word epiphany. That's a powerful word and a powerful
1: moment for anyone. Tell us more. It was more of a slap in the face than an epiphany and, and literally a slap in the face. Uh, it was a, a moment that I realised that, you know, this was never going to get anywhere working working in that business, in, in that environment. And it was, um, you know, it was uh, it was sad to see uh, a relationship turn the way it did. It stopped being about business and it became very personal. So, for me, it was, it was just time. How old are you at the time? Oh, mate, I think I was 25, 26. You know, dad took me on board, and it was exciting. Uh, he was importing olives and, and oil from Greece, uh, and then uh, when I got involved in the business, we started value adding uh, the products that he was importing, and it was it was exciting to start playing with different flavours and recipes and marinades and f- filling olives with all sorts of different things. It was uh, it was really good.
0: Apart from your dad, was there someone in the family, maybe a grandparent, who was a phenomenal chef?
1: No, no. So my father. Uh, was an entrepreneur. He came to Australia at the, I think, the age of nine, he started working at the age of 12, got involved in the rag trade, started making women's clothing. Uh, he was quite successful at that. And then he sort of got uh, got out very early, saw the signs that product was uh, coming in from China a lot cheaper and pulled out of it, got rid of the business and started property development. Made his money there and went to Greece, uh, found some black that was selling olives and oil and thought, this will I can make this work in Australia. So uh, he, he did that. So if, if anything, I in terms of entrepreneurship I, I think I've taken that from my father
0: So this story, suddenly we find ourselves at Joe's Eatery in Marrickville
1: Yeah, good old Joe So let, let's call that the epiphany So uh, that moment of, you know, look, you're spending a year trying to find out what what i was going to do with myself and what business i was going to to be involved in was um all came to light at that takeaway shop bought a sandwich bought a coke from the fridge and in the fridge was a little old rice pudding uh, i bought that and tucked into it it was a fantastic product and i uh, that was the epiphany for me it was well well this is great i wonder if you can buy it in in retail in grocery and i went looking for it
0: so you then go on a fact finding mission it was like a
1: reconnaissance mission with the military. Yeah, a bit like that. I'm ready to jump in and go to war. Uh, I, um, I did. I, I, I went to, um, to Coles and Woolworths. Uh, and back then there was Franklin's um, looking for something similar in, in the chilled area. Uh, it, it wasn't there. It didn't exist. So um, I thought to myself, I'm going to give this a crack. And uh, literally in, in, invested in a little uh, plant. Uh, in Bankstown, and that's where Wicked Sister began.
0: So during this period, you also go to your family and friends and you get them to be taste testers. What was their reaction to your recipe?
1: Well, first first I went to Mum and asked her if, for a recipe, but Mum didn't have one. Uh, and my memories of Mum making rice pudding were terrible. It was, it was, a, it was like a bingo custard with rice. <laughs> so... Yeah, she couldn't help me there, but I I worked on recipes, and when I thought it was right, I um you know got the team, friends, and family to come in and taste the the product before I was ready to present it to to the majors. I called it a plant before it so was it was really a room. It was a it was a room um, with a kitchen sink, uh, a milk crate, and a gas burner, a pot. That's all I could afford. Then I, I spent all my money setting up you know food grade floors and the, and the proper drainage and and it yeah, quickly ran out of money and it was uh, if I, if I can think back uh, times of the phone ringing having to race upstairs into the, the phone and then it. I've got to start again and doing it by hand is um, is not fun it's uh, you've actually got to stand there and stir stir consistently don't know how I made it through mate but I, but I did. You know, people thought I was a lunatic. I was, uh, you know, betting my last dollar on a rice pudding. You know, if, if someone said that to me 20 years ago, I'd be saying, mate, you got rocks in your head. But um, I, I suppose when you've got nothing else to sort of fall back on, you, you make it work. And that's exactly what I did. I, you know, I, I focused on the end goal. And the end goal was um, making this the best product I could make it, presenting it to the majors and, and getting the brand and the product into a Coles or a Woolworths. That was, uh, there was no people said to me you know what was your plan b if didn't this didn't work well i, I didn't have a plan b it was it was plan a all the way and it was i was never going to take no for an answer and it took a bit of time to get it in there I, you know i paid rent and um i didn't pay myself for three years so it was a struggle but i you know pushed and pushed and pushed and once I was happy with the recipe I was happy with the product I presented it to, to Woolworths and they were good enough to give me an opportunity.
0: You said it was your last dollar what were the overheads in those early days?
1: I had about 200000 saved up from working in my previous role it was about that in terms of rent and paying myself a little bit until I ran out of money, and that's when I went to Mum and said, "Look, I need, I need to borrow 100k to help me through." And even Mum was sceptical, saying, "You know, I don't think this is going to work, son." But I said that she needed to have faith, and this was going to work. And you know, I'd made it work before with Dad's business. You know, I took it from nothing, from zero to 100. So kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and working and working and working, um, seven days a week, 15, 16 hours a day. It slipped at the factory. It was it was tough times. I lived on rice pudding,
0: <laughs> and, and then suddenly you find yourself in front of a middle manager, Sam Georgidis from Woolies. Yeah. Tell us more about that moment, and it's a pivotal moment in the story. It is because Sam
1: was um, was the buyer at the time. Again, he thought I was a lunatic going in there with some rice pudding, trying to want <laughs> to push it in and, and get it on the shelf but he um, he also believed in the product he tried it he liked it and he gave me an opportunity uh, 150 stores in in Queensland we had to hit certain um, certain hurdle rates uh, baseline numbers for Woolworths to be happy with it seeing as though we had no marketing dollars and no no money to, to promote or spend in catalogue so um, we had to rely on customer penetration to, to drive the sales that Woolworths needed to to drive for return on shelf space.
0: You've got a soft spot for Queensland because you started to see some desserts move off the shelves in far north
1: Queensland. Yeah soft soft spot for Queensland, I'm still a Blues supporter, though. I was surprised because I thought it was a fail. I thought that was it. You know, they'd given me the the hardest estate uh, for a rice pudding to try and sell up, up in Queensland was, was a tough task, but it hit the numbers it needed to hit. And um, within the 12, once once the 12 weeks came up, we were then talking about, you know, rolling it out to, to all the stores in Queensland. And then a year later, we'd rolled into New South Wales and then, you know, Victoria. Uh, and within two and a half or three years we were national. When did you come up with the name? My brother came up with the name uh, a year or two before I moved on from from my father and Olympus Grove didn't really have the, the zing that I was looking for in terms of a brand and it engaged a, f- a few marketing agencies to try and come up with a name and um, lo and behold, one night, you know, my brother... Came out of the shower and, and, said, and said, oh, what about Wicked Sister? Don't ask, me, don't ask me what he was doing in there, but he came out with his name. So uh, I didn't know what it meant. It sounded good. And then I gave it to a designer and he, he came up with the creative. And uh, I was ready to launch when I, mean, I took that brand and uh, attached it to, to um, the, the rice pudding and the chocolate mousse and tiramisu and everything else that we make today.
0: That is part one with Paul Polly, managing director and founder of Wicked Sister Desserts. Next time we discuss the brand going multinational. Hope you've enjoyed this special business edition of The Perfect Ten. We'll catch you next time. The Perfect Ten.